सुन्नो मित्र संवरुण सुन्नोत्यंद्रो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म गुरुरात्मेदी 
मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योम व्याप्तेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदानर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदानतीतद्वैतभानतःतीतद्वैतभानतःगुरूनाराध्यवेदातगुरूनाराध्यवेदातसारक्ष्ये We are discussing here what is known as Panchikaranam or the five-fold combination which is supposed to convert the elements from the subtle state to the gross state. <coughs> as you said, this is a model presented to us by Vedanta to explain the creation as we experience it today. It can be explained in different ways. This is one way of explaining it. That we have five organs of perception with which we perceive this creation. And each organ of perception is capable of perceiving just one guna or one quality or one aspect of creation. Our ears can perceive the sound and that's all. Our skin can perceive the touch. Our eyes can perceive color. Our tongue can perceive the taste. Our nose can perceive smell. Thus we have the five organs of perception with which we perceive these five-fold objects. Therefore, it is said that the what we call creation of the universe consists of these five objects. And these objects are said to be made of five elements. So each object is made from a corresponding element. Therefore, what we call sound is said to be made of the element space. What we call touch is made of the element air. What we call color is made of element fire. What we call taste is made of element water. What we call smell is made of element earth. It's a beautiful, nice model. <coughs> we come across in this creation three gunas or three qualities or three aspects, sattva, rajas and tamas. Tamas is a gross, that which can be perceived by senses. Gross, which is dullness, inertness, characterized by inertness, dullness. Rajas is that which is characterized by activity. And sattva is that which is characterized by balance. So this balance, activity, and dullness is what we come across. The same three aspects or dispositions we find within our own self also. That means what we call the self, our own personality also, not the person, but the personality also is composed of these three gunas or three aspects, sattva, rajas and tamas. (coughs) 
Thus creation can also be looked upon as made up of these three gunas or three aspects, sattva, rajas and tamas. These gunas are loosely translated as qualities or attributes, qualities, aspects. But sattva, rajas and tamas are not qualities. They are, that is the material, that is the substance or the stuff of which this creation is made. And so it is said that the five elements from which the creation has come, each of the elements also has these three qualities in that, each of the elements also has these three qualities, sattva, rajas and tamas. <coughs> from the sattva aspect of the element, the sattvic creation is there. From the rajas aspect of the elements, the rajas, rajas creation is there. From the tamas aspect of the creation, the tamas creation is there. What is sattva? Sattva is that which is characterized by knowledge. Therefore, all our organs of perception and our mind, which are the instruments of knowledge, are said to be evolved from the sattva, aspects of the five elements. <coughs> so there are five elements also, and each element has three aspects also, understand? So from the sattva aspect of the elements, we have the five organs of perception, which are the instruments for knowledge. And our mind, which is associated with every organ of perception, is said to be made of the combined sattva aspect of all the five elements. <coughs> then within our personality, we also have an active personality, the, the aspect with which we act. That is the rajas. So it is said that our organs of action with which we act, and this prana, the vital, vital forces, the vital system within ourselves, which is responsible for the functioning of various systems in the body, that's called the prana. So these are the rajas aspect of our personality, the active aspect of our personality, and therefore say to be made of the rajas aspect of the five elements. <coughs> then we have the gross body, which is inert, which is tamas. And also we come across or we experience all the objects of the world which are also inert. And therefore that is all what we call tamas. So it is said that our gross body as well as all the objects that we experience through the senses, which are of the which are inert, are all made up of the tamas aspect, the five elements. <coughs> Therefore, the sound that we perceive is tamas, tamas or gross sound, made up of the tamas aspect of the element space. The touch that we perceive is also gross touch. Whatever can be perceived by senses is gross. And therefore, it is made of the tamas aspect of the element, air. The color that we perceive is gross color, made up of the tamas aspect of the element, fire. The taste that we perceive is gross taste, made up of the tamas aspect of the element, water. And the smell that we perceive is a gross smell, made of the tamas aspect of the element, earth. <coughs> so at some point in time, in some manner, the elements and the whole creation which was in the subtle state got transformed into what we call the gross state or in the state which we can perceive. How does that happen? First, the creation is of the five subtle elements. So, whole creation is subtle. Subtle means that which cannot be perceived through our senses, like our mind, our sense organs. Then how did these elements become gross, become, became perceptible? Therefore, they visualize a process called panchikaranam. Panchikaranam meaning this five-fold combination. 
that the elements, five elements which are subtle to begin with, they combine with each other. How do they combine? There also the process is given. That each element splits into two. One half, one half is kept intact. The second half further splits into four equal parts. And retaining the one half intact, the second half consisting of four parts is distributed to the other four elements. And thus it is done with all the elements. And thus we have a final combination in which we have the first half belonging to that element, the second half consisting of the one-eighth of the remaining four elements, and thus we have what we call the five gross elements. It may be a very simple model, whatever it is. So the element fire that we come across or we perceive consists of 50% of the original element fire and 12.5% of space, 12.5% of air, 12.5% of water, 12.5% of earth, and this is how the combination takes place. Don't ask too many questions about this, you know. And how did this happen and that happen? This is a model. And how do we, did we come across, how did we come up with this model? We find its description in the Upanishad. Which Upanishad? Chandogya Upanishad. Where in Chandogya Upanishad? The sixth chapter of the Chandogya Upanishad talks about a process called Trivut Karanam or the threefold combination. Because in the sixth chapter, we have, the Upanishad only mentions three elements, fire, water and earth, the elements which are perceptible <coughs> to, the, to the eyes. And there it is said that these elements were subtle in the beginning and this process of grossification took place. That each element got divided into two and the second half was further divided into uh, two and then each one-fourth was divided, distributed to the other two elements, and that is how we had the final product. So that is called Trivat Karanam, or the threefold combination. Therefore, the teachers of Vedanta say that, that threefold combination which is, which is uh, described by Chandogya Upanishad, should be understood as five-fold combination, because there are in fact five elements. In other Upanishads, the five elements are mentioned, therefore we take the five elements, and we take that process of com- the inter- I mean, uh, combination with each other, and that's how they come up with this process called Panchikaranam, or the five-fold combination. To explain our exp- the idea is to explain our experiences. That we have five organs of perception, there are five-fold objects that we come across a world that is gross, subtle, and causal. We come across a world that is sattva, rajas, and tamas. And to explain this, is this model presented before us. <coughs> What's the purpose of this? So that we can understand how the creation came into being. And as the Vedantins will always say, that what is called the effect is not separate from the cause. What we call the ornaments are not really separate from the gold. What we call the waves are not separate from water. It is water that presents itself as waves, or it is gold that presents itself as ornament. So suppose someone describes to us in great detail the process of making of an ornament, how a banger has been made, how a lump of gold was taken, and how it was slowly and slowly, you know, beaten into making a rod, and how it was further made into a little thinner wire, 
and how it was then bent, and how different shapes were given. So the long process is described to us. Then the goldsmith can tell us that in the beginning there was a lump of gold, and then it became a rod, then it became a bar, then it became a wire, then it became round. So this way the process of creation of a bangal can be described to us. And finally we come to this object called the bangal. So, what is the whole purpose of describing the creation of bangal? To tell us that bangal is nothing but gold. Because we started with a lump of gold and we ended up with a bangal. Therefore, what is called bangal is nothing other than gold. Someone can make bangal in a different way. And you can question, why did he do it this way? It is immaterial. The process of making bangal is not important. What is important is that bangal is nothing but gold. That is important. Here also, this creation is described in this fashion as made up of five elements. No, no, scientists say that there are no five elements, there is only one element. Fine. In fact, there was a time some years ago when the scientists told us that there were 92 elements and 104 elements. And now they tell us that there is only one energy. Oh, there are so many fundamental particles. And every day they are discovering new particles. And the scientists are in the process of discovering or determining what is the fundamental building block. So that's fine. As we said, we don't deny that. And what we are saying does not contradict that either. What we are saying here is, in order to explain the creation as we experience, and to make a point, that the creation that we come across, this variegated or multifarious creation, is nothing but the cause from which it has come about. And what is the cause? What was there in the beginning of creation? As Chandogya says, Sadeva Somme Idamagrasi. This whole creation, this before, its the whole universe before its creation was Sat, was Brahman, was Truth. Ekamayava Dvitiyam, one without a second. And now we have a whole variegated or multifarious creation. So what is this creation? It is, in, if, if there was only lump of gold in the beginning, and now we have 100 ornaments, what are these 100 ornaments? Nothing but gold. And similarly also, if there was one, if Brahman alone, one without a second was there before the creation. And now we have this whole universe of diverse and multifarious what is this universe? What is this creation? Nothing other than Brahman. Just to make this point, and that point will be made in this text also, Sarvam Khaluidam Brahman. All of this is indeed Brahman. All of this is God. That's all the Vedantins, Upanishads want to reveal. Upanishads want to reveal this truth, that what we call the creation, what we call even the personality, not only that person is Brahman, that thou art, thou is that person, and that is Brahman, that this person is none other than Brahman, but even this personality also is Brahman. So in the beginning, we divide the creation into two aspects, self and non-self, person and personality, subject and object, conscious and inert. This kind of division we make in the beginning. In order to focus, to withdraw our attention from the object and focus our attention on the subject, we make this kind of a I mean, uh, analysis to begin with. 
but it is not the intention of the scriptures to present a duality between subject and object between self and non-self the purpose of describing the creation in this elaborate manner is to make an important point that what we call the non-self also is nothing but the self presenting itself in that fashion brahman alone presents itself as his creation how can it be done how can brahman don't bother how is it said that's what it is how did brahman become this nobody says brahman has become anything but since we come across a creation a whole process of creation has to be explained <clears throat> but behind the description of the process of creation there is only one vision or one truth that upanishads want to reveal and that is that the creation that we come across is nothing but brahman so what we call the subject also is brahman what we call object also is brahman then alone we can say that brahman is one without a second it is one without a second it is non dual that non duality can be appreciated or understood only when we understand the fact that creation also is nothing other than brahman does it mean that brahman has split itself into so many parts or what no the splitting or manyness or multiplicity is just an appearance therefore multiplicity or non self is not real it is what we call mithya or apparent that's how we come to the whole concept of mithya or apparent the creation is apparent and never it does not present a duality like the creation of so many reflections i may be there in a mirror room with 100 mirrors around me and as i even enter the room 100 reflections or 100 other individuals are created so even though you perceive 100 or 101 in fact there is only one because the other 100 are unreal or apparent and similarly also we perceive so many but then all that so many really are unreal what is real is one alone in in different ways this is the vision that vedanta unfolds every day there's nothing more to be said this is all that is to be said and that is being said in so many long texts in so many different ways every upanishad gives a different story of how the creation came about every upanishad presents a different approach and all that is necessary so that we can understand all the various aspects of our life every upanishad we will treat with one aspect of life predominantly that's the reason why we study so many texts that we will be we will come across all the various aspects of our life different kinds of experiences that we have and that is how life can be properly understood to see this truth of brahman being one without a second and to be able to appreciate the truth in different situations in different contexts is to to make us see that truth is the purpose of vedanta <coughs> so so it was said in the passage 102 on the page 60 panchanam panchatmakatve samane bhi teshu cha vaisheshyatu tadvaras tadvara hi dinyayana akashadi vipadesha sambhavati that these five elements when they are grossified as in by the by the process that was described each of the elements as we said has all the five elements in it each of the elements is half of its own and the one eighth of the rest of the four elements but 
the name of the element is given according to the most predominant aspect. So, there is a preponderance of whichever element is preponderantly present, that is the name that is given to that element. So we call this element fire. Even though the element fire has all the five elements in it, the predominant aspect of the is fire, 50%, and then other four elements occupy a smaller space, therefore we call it element fire. Tadanim akasha abhivyajade vayav shabdasparsho agno shabdasparsha rupani apsu shabdasparsha ruparasaha prasivyam shabdasparsha ruparasagandhascha when does these elements which were in the subtle state after the five-fold combinations become grossified, then the qualities which were inherently there, they become manifest. Thus when the element space becomes gross, by combining with the other four elements, then the quality sound which was inherently there in the element space, abhivyajyate, now becomes manifest. It was there, but not manifest. What is meant by manifestation? Manifestation means coming into the range of perception of the senses. Vyanjanam or Vyaktam. To Vyaj means to become manifest. What is manifestation? Manifestation is coming into the range of perception of the sense organs. Thus in the element space, this, the quality sound was there, but not manifest. When this element space became gross, then the element, the quality sound became manifest. And in the element air, not only the quality, the, its own quality of touch, but also the quality sound which it inherited from its cause space. So therefore, the element air exhibits two qualities, sound and touch. Element fire exhibits three qualities, sound, touch and color. Element water exhibits four qualities, the sound, touch, color and taste. Element earth exhibits or many in there as a manifestation of five qualities the sound, touch, color, taste and smell. Thus we find the process of creation is from the subtle to the gross. So earth is the grossest of all the five elements. Space is the subtlest of all the five elements. Therefore we say that in space the element sattva which is subtle is most predominant. In the element earth, tamas, which is the grossest, that element, this aspect is most predominant. <coughs> so far we read last time, so we have come up to the creation of what we call the five gross elements. Now the text explains how the whole universe then uh, evolved from these elements, elemental creation that is called. There are five elements. When the elements combine and form into different shapes, it is called elemental creation. So in fact, what we come across is elemental. So we don't come across elements purely, but this universe, the gross universe, where every object has five elements in it, as you said, because an object can be, can make, it makes sound, therefore there is element space, it can be touched, there is element air, it is a color element fire, it has a taste element water, it has a smell element earth. So 
So we find all the five elements present in the objects that we come across. And that is being described in the next passage, 104, on the page 61. Etebhya Panchikritebhya Bhutebhya Bhurbhuvaha Swaha Mahaha Janaha Tapaha Satyam Ittyatata Namakanam Uparyupari Vidyamananam Atala Vitala Sutala Rasatala Talatala Mahatala Patala Namakanam Adho Adho Vidyamananam Lokanam Brahmandasya Tadantar Gata Chatur Vidha Sthula Shari Ranam Tabushitanam Annapanadi Nancha Utpatir Bhavati If you can do this, you will learn Sanskrit, that's for sure. <coughs> <coughs> so now it is said, how from these five elements the whole universe is made? They look upon again the whole universe as made up of fourteen worlds, seven worlds above and seven worlds below. So what are these fourteen worlds that are being said here? Bhuhu, Bhuvaha, Svaha, Mahaha, Janaha, Tapaha, Satyam. These are the worlds above. Bhuhu means earth. The world that we live in is called Bhur. Bhuhu. Bhur Lokaha. Then immediately above us is Bhuvar Lokaha. Intermediate world. Above that is Swar Lokaha or Swar Lokaha, the Swarga of the heavens. Above that, Mahaha. Above that, Tapaha. Mahajanaha. Above that, Tapaha. Above that, Satyam. Seven worlds are there. Swami, where are these? You know, next question. Where are these worlds? Are there places like that? Is there a place called Swarlokaha, Mahaha, Janaha, Tapaha, Satyam? Are these actually places in some other planets or in some other uh, solar systems, we don't know. Maybe they are, or these seven worlds are, just to give a convenient explanation, are nothing but seven states of awareness, you might say, meaning, not seven states of awareness means seven states of experiences, seven fields of experiences. Even in the human world also, we do come across various states of experiences. There are people who are very sensitive to things, there are people who are less sensitive to things. 
So a person, for example, who is very sensitive to nature and who can experience some beauty and, and some harmony in the nature, who we consider to be more subtle than a person who cannot experience that. So there are people who are sensitive to sound, sensitive to color, sensitive to form, and they see something, they experience something which ordinary other people cannot experience. So we may say that they have access to a subtler world of experience than what other people have. So we would say that what are known as these worlds above are subtler and subtler realms of experiences or realms of sensitivities. That there is happiness which obtains in the seven layers, you may say, or seven realms, each happiness being subtler and more abundant than the previous one. So Bhūrlokaha, or the happiness that you experience here, represents a certain degree of happiness, intensity, and call it a kind. Bhūrlokaha, something subtler. Suvarlokaha, yet subtler. Mahaha, Janaha, Tapaha, Satyam. We would imagine that each one of these worlds, which are the worlds or realms for experiencing happiness, each one of them presents happiness of a subtler and more exalted kind. <coughs> so therefore, Satya Loka, also known sometimes known as Brahma Loka, is the highest world, is the highest uh, uh, level or realm of experience, highest realm of happiness that one can ever achieve as a result of performance of rituals and meditation and worship. So we will come across in the Upanishads various upasanas or forms of worship and forms of meditation which are mentioned there in the result. This Brahma Loka, attainment of the Satya Loka, which is the highest realm. It is said that Brahma, the creator, dwells in that world. Each world has a deity dwelling there, and depending upon the kind of merits that we have earned in this life, we may find a place, we may find a place in one of these worlds, if you want that. <coughs> and this is what is said. Whether such places are there or not, how they look like, you find even descriptions. In Chandogya Upanishads and elsewhere, you find even description of heavens and Brahma Loka and things like that. How certain lakes are there and how certain... So these kind of descriptions we find. So whatever they mean, whether physically such places are there or they are all symbolic, it's difficult for me to say. But one thing we have to accept that the creation is not confined merely to what we perceive or what we come across. All this means is that there are higher realms of existence. And therefore, the subtler realms of existence can be looked upon as the seven worlds above. And in order to experience that level of existence, we have to develop a greater and greater sensitivity. And imagine the degree of sensitivity that you will develop to experience Brahman, that is the highest. So it is not that you do some kind of meditation and see Brahman and that's the end of it. It is that one has to really grow and grow and grow into more and more sensitivity, more and more purity. You cannot bypass things. That purity, sensitivity, subtlety, all of that you have to keep on cultivating. 
and then we become more and more sensitive to that existence <coughs> and you abide in that. So this gives us an idea of the levels of existence or levels of awareness or levels of happiness, whatever you want to call it. Through the Sat Chit Ananda, Sat is existence that we come across. Now we know very well that there are many levels of existence. Like light is the gross form of existence which we can perceive. Electricity is subtler, we cannot perceive. Subtler than electricity are the particles. Subtler than particles are subatomic particles. Subtler than that is the energy and so forth. So we know very well that there are subtler and subtler realms of existence. So either we can understand those realms of existence by this bhuhu, bhuvaha, suvaha, or we may understand the actual places, or however we understand, it is said that these five elements make up this world consisting of these seven, the universe consisting of the seven worlds above, beginning from what we call the bhurlokaha, or the realm of earth, ending into satyaloka or brahmaloka or the realm of brahma or the creator. So, bhūrbhuvaswar maha janas maha janaha tapaha satyam ityedan namakanam upari upari vidyamananam which worlds exist one above the other. Now that above whether it's understood in terms of space or above may be understood in terms of subtlety. The word above may be in terms of space or in terms of authority or in terms of subtlety, you see. Go above, don't ask me, you know, when you say, above may not necessarily mean in terms of space that you go on the next upper, upper floor, it means go to higher authority. So sometimes above also means higher authority, more power, more subtlety. And here therefore we would say more more subtle words exist. Upari upari vidyamana. Then also they say that there are words belonging and lower and lower range also. So there are seven worlds below. And Atala, Vitala, Sutala, Rasatala, Talatala, Mahatala, Patala. So these are all the seven lower worlds. What, how do you experience, how do you understand them? So says, Adho, Adho, Vidyamananam. Each one obtaining below the other one. Swatala, Vitala, Sutala, Ratalatala, Rasatala, Talatala, Mahatala, Patala. Suppose these words, each one obtaining below the previous one. Do these obtain in terms of space? So India, people in India believe that, believe sometimes, that America is Patala, you know, because this is just below. So, United States is below. And therefore, this is Patala world, you know. So anyway, where, so people here may believe that India is Patala, whatever it is. How depends on how you go up and above. So above and below being also relative concepts. But anyway, this Atala, Vitala, so these seven worlds below, are these supposed to be worlds below in terms of space or below in terms of pain or suffering, below in terms of grossness. So the worlds above are above in terms of subtlety. We would say that the worlds below are below in terms of grossness. That there are grosser and grosser levels or realms of existence in terms of pain, in terms of less and less sensitivity. So person within Patala would be least sensitive, we imagine. All that existence would be most painful. 
That would say that all the demons live in Pathala. And the gods live in the worlds above. Who are gods? Gods who are more sensitive, more evolved, having, uh, having faculties which are much more sensitive, having many, much more, many more powers. And who are these fellows demons? Subtler, grosser and grosser. <clears throat> Even though demons are also described as having all kinds of powers, but they are all powers which are destructive powers. And the powers that the gods in the above, realms above are said to have are creative powers. So, the scriptures, the Vedic scriptures, thus present before us this universe consisting of fourteen realms of existence. Seven subtle and seven gross. Adho, adho vidyamananam lokanam brahmandasya so that's called Brahmanda. So not only the realms are there, Tadantaragada, Chaturvida, Sthula Sharirana. There are these realms, then there are more people living, or, or the uh, living beings in each one of these realms. And these living beings have different kinds of bodies. So Zupadu, the gross bodies, are also classified in four ways. And they will be subsequently described. Chaturvida Sthula Shariranam. Depending upon the process of birth, depending upon the nature of birth, the bodies are described as of four kinds. Those who are born of womb, born of egg, born of moisture, and born of soil. So that's how all the species are classified in four categories depending upon their birth. So we imagine that in each of these realms there must be these fourfold beings. So we imagine that in the heaven also there must be dogs and cats and there must be all these animals. Much more blessed than the dogs and cats here. But we find even in this earth also, we know many dogs and cats who are much more blessed than many human beings. That the dogs and cats in America are perhaps enjoying a great luxury as compared to the human beings in places like India. That they live in air-conditioned, you know, houses and have the very best food and perhaps are taken more care than even their own children. And so that, that shows how lucky these dogs are or cats are. So we may say that if this America can be called heavens as, as compared to India, let us say, then the dogs and cats and all the creatures that are obtained, here all of them are living in heaven, you might say. Anyway, whatever it is, the idea is that in every realm there are also the beings. And the beings are classified in four categories, depending upon the kind of body, the kind, you know, that they have. Not only that, these beings are there, taduchita, and what is necessary for them, what is appropriate them, anna pana dinamcha, anna and pana. Anna means food, pana means drink. There are all these four, <coughs> four, four living beings also require food and drink. Anna and pana. And therefore, in each of these realms, there is a appropriate, I mean, creation of appropriate food for all the living beings. So now what do we have? We have this fourteen world. Seven above, 
and seven below. In each one of these realms, we have the living beings, which can be classified in these four categories. For each category, there is appropriate food and appropriate drink, or whatever they require in order to sustain the life. All of this is called Brahmanda. All of this is called cosmos or the creation. Annapanadinamcha utpattihi bhavati Eremhya panchikaremhya bhutemhya From these five elements, which are thus grossified by the five-fold combinations, utpattihi bhavati, there comes about the creation. Brahmanda utpattihi bhavati Creation of this Brahmanda. The whole universe is called Brahmanda. it is called egg or egg has the potential of the birth so brahmanda is that which has in it the total potential and therefore also the universe is called brahmanda the golden egg so golden egg means a shining egg in the beginning before the creation was gross it was in a subtle state with the total potential of creation and subtle state is the state of thought which is a shining state therefore perhaps it is called brahmanda so Brahmanda Sacha Utpatti Bhavati. The whole Brahmanda or the whole cosmos consisting of the fourteen worlds as well as the four kinds of beings in each realm as well as the appropriate food and whatever they, the living beings, require for the sustenance. All of this is created from these five gross elements. <coughs> this is the creation of what we call elemental elements and elemental creation. What are these fourfold bodies that is being described subsequently? Chatur Vida Sharira Nitu Jarayuja Andaja Swedaja Udbijakhyani Chatur Vida Sharirānidu Jarayuja Andaja Svedaja Udbhijjākhyāni Chatur Vida Sharirānidu These fourfold bodies that we mentioned earlier, what are they? Jarayuja. Jara comes from the root Jan, to be born. So Jarayuja, born of Jarayu, born of Vumb. Andaja, Anda means egg. So, andad jatam andajam, that which is born of anda or the egg is called andaja. So, there are those living beings born of eggs. There are the living beings born of the womb. There are living beings born of eggs. Svedaja. Sveda means moisture, perspiration, etc. So, Svedaja, born of moisture. Udbhija. Udbhija means those who split open. So, there are those living beings that split open the earth and they are born. They are called Udbhijya, born of soil. So there, is in, there are interesting ways of classifying the, 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 the things that we come across. So there is how all the living beings are classified in these four, four ways. You know the food also is classified in four, four ways, depending on how we eat the food. So, whether we masticate the food or we lick the food, 
or we drink the food or we suck the food. So food is sucked, chosyam. It is drunk. It is it is licked, lehyam. It is masticated, bhojyam. And it is drunk, payam. So food is categorized in this fourfold way. So that fifteen chapter that we are chanting, aham vaishvanaro bhutva praninam deham asitaha pranapana samayuktaha pachamyannam chaturvidham. Lord Krishna says that I dwell in all the living beings as this stomach, the digestive fire. And with the help of this prana and the apana, with the help of this vital force, the vital air, I digest the fourfold food. So food also is categorized as fourfold, so depending upon the way we consume food. And so also the living beings are categorized in these four ways depending upon how they are born. <clears throat> now what are these that is being further described? Jarayujani Jarayubhya Jatani Manushya Pashwadini Jarayujani, what is known as Jarayuja. Jaraya means womb. And Jarayuja born of womb. Jarayujani, Jarayubhya Jatani. Himself explains. Jarayuja, Jarayubhya Jatam Jarayujam. What is Manushya? The human beings fall in the category of what we call mammals. So human beings fall in the category of Jarayuja. Also animals fall in the category of Jarayuja. Even whale and such aquatic animals also fall in the category of Jarayuja. So those which are born of what we call mammals or those which are born of the womb, they are called Jarayuja. There is one category of living beings. <coughs> then further it says, Andajani Andebhyojatani Pakshipannagadini Andajani Andebhya Jatani, the other category of living beings are those which are born of under or the eggs, who are the pakshi, the birds, pannaga, the reptiles, the snakes. So birds, snakes, all of these are said to be born of. Birds, of course, we know they are born of eggs. Even snakes are also born of eggs. And so all of these, these turtles and all of these are born of eggs. I think even frogs and all of the eggs are laid and then they are born. <coughs> so, they, all of them fall in the category of Andajaya. <coughs> further, continuing further, Svedajani, Svedebhyojatani, Yukamashakadini. So, Svedajani, Svedebhyajatani, Chatani, those who are born of Sveda. Sveda means moisture or perception. So perception and moisture, all of them is in the category of Sveda. So Sveda Jani, Sveda Bihajatani. Then we have a third class of living beings 
born of moisture. What are they? Yuka, Mashakadini, the lice, mosquitoes, etc. So girls, I know that in India they have this common problem of having lice in the hair, you know, and then the mother's job it is to clear it up. Because there is moisture in the hair and therefore lice, etc., mosquitoes, all of these are said to be born of moisture. <coughs> the third category. And the fourth category in the next passage. Udbhijjani Bhumim Udbhidya Jatani Latavrakshadini Udbhidya Udbhidya Jatam Udbhidya Jam Udbhidya splitting open. Bhid means to break. Udbhid to break open and arise. So then these living beings which break, split open and then they arise above, they are called Bhidja, all the Lata Vakshadini, all the trees, creepers, all of these fall in the category of Udbhidja because they split open the earth and arise. That's it. These are the four categories of living beings. That is not Vedanta. This is not, all of this is not Vedanta really. There are five elements. This is all mechanism. What is Vedanta? All of this is Brahman. That is Vedanta. Understand? So we must be very clear about what Vedanta is and what other processes and the models are. These five elements and elementals, all of this is a model. The seven worlds above and below seven, they are all model. The fourfold of beings and then the four kinds of food, all of this is a model. Suppose you come across tomorrow a fifth kind of creature which cannot be categorized in this four, what will you say? Would you say Vedanta is wrong or something? Or suppose tomorrow you come across some creatures in other planets having six organs of perception, what would happen? Nothing would happen. As I said, the purpose is not this kind of details or the mechanisms, but still the mechanisms and details are given to us for us to be able to, to see how we can relate to the world, how we can understand the world. But if someone can provide you a little more refined understanding, that is, is that acceptable? What is important here is that everything is Brahman. That is important. And what the world that we come across, the multiplicity that we come across, all of this is nothing but the appearance of one. And that in and through the duality also, that is a non-dual. And therefore, to understand that, a model is given to us to understand the duality. So, I'm pretty sure that you will not come across, you know, the, because they have fairly good observation in terms of the living beings, etc. But then you may come across. As the science discovers more and more things, our knowledge expands to higher and greater and greater realms, you may come across a fifth kind of things, you know, which is born. Doesn't matter. Then you include that also. You may come across some sixth way or sixth sense, maybe that, suppose, all right, include that also. You come across some other kinds of words and what, include them. The idea is that whatever there is or whatever we come across, the gross creation ultimately has evolved from the fundamental or the primordial cause. <coughs> hmm. And says here, therefore, 
Now, giving us an overview, says in the next passage, Atrape Chaturvidha Sakala Sthula Shariram Eka Aneka Buddhivishayataya Vanavata Jalashaya Vadva Samashtihi Vrukshavata Jalavadva Vyashtirabhi Bhavati <coughs> So shows here the Samashti and Vyashti Bheda. Bheda means these two categories, Samashti, the aggregate, and Vyashti, the individual. Atravi, just as it was the case with the causal world of ignorance, with the subtle world, so also, atrapi in case of this gross creation also, chaturvida sakala sthula shariram, this total sthula shariram, the total gross body, all the fourfold gross bodies that we have, in all the fourteen realms, all of them when they are looked upon as one aggregate, if there is someone who can identify with all of them totally, if you have a vision which will encompass all these gross bodies in oneself, at the moment the vision is that this only one gross body is included in, when I, in the self. When I say I, all that includes in the scope is nothing but one gross body, this one. But suppose when I say I, if it can include in its scope the totality of all the gross bodies, of all the four kinds, in all the fourteen realms, suppose, then that would be called samashti. And when only one gross body is included in the scope of I, that will be called Vyasti or the individual. The creation is the same, but then depending upon how we look upon it. The entity is one, which we call forest. If you look at it from a height of seven miles, it's one forest. Look at it from the ground level, it is so many trees. And so also, look at it from a higher realm. By identifying with a greater, you know, with more and more fundamental aspect. If I'm identified with this form, then there is only Vyasti, one individual. If suppose I identify myself not with this form, but identify myself with the elements from which this form is made. I say that this body also is made of food, all the rest of the bodies are also made of food. Suppose I identify with food, and I call that as I, then all the bodies will be called as I, understand? Isn't that so? If I identify one lump or one form as I, then of course my scope of I or the self is confined to just one form. But suppose I identify with human being, I'm a human being. Suppose I look upon myself just as a human being, then all the human beings will be included in the scope of I. Suppose I identify myself as a living being, then all the living beings will be included in the scope of I. Suppose I identify myself as a being, then all the living and non-living, all of that will be included in I. Understand? Depending upon how I look upon myself. That is how I will look upon the world. If I look upon myself as man, for me the world consists of man and women. If I look upon myself as a human being, the world consists of human beings. Where I look upon myself as a living being, the world consists of living beings. 
If I look upon myself as awareness, the world consists of awareness. That's all Vedanta teaches us. That what you come across, or the way you judge and brand and categorize your experiences, all of that is derived from the way you judge and brand and categorize your own self. And that is derived from your, the vision or the perception that you have. There's two perceptions of life are presented in this text. One is a perception called the Vyasti or the individual. Other is a perception called Samasti or the aggregate. The creation being the same. These two extreme perceptions can be there depending upon how we have evolved. So this is what we call the evolution. The evolution that Vedanta talks of is not the evolution in terms of the organism, the organic structure. It is evolution in terms of one's perception of life. That's how we evolve. We evolve, well, totally identifying with just one body is perhaps the lowest realm of evolution. And identifying ourselves with a more and more general, and more and more expensive view of life would be what we call evolution. <coughs> so, Atrapi, in case of this gross creation also, Chaturvida Sakalasthura Shariram Eka Aneka Buddhivishetaya Whether we are able to encompass the entire creation consisting of all these bodies in one sweep like we, pre- we look upon the forest in one sweep from an elevation or in our vision we only confine this one body in, the, in our perception as a self then like we brand this entity, why we call this entity a forest, or the same entity is called the trees, when you look upon it from an elevation, it is called forest, look upon it from the ground, it is called trees, and so also, this whole creation of the gross bodies would be like vana vrukshavat, so vanavat jalashadva samastihi, Vrukshavat Jalavadva Vyastihi. So like trees or small pools of water, it will call Vyastihi or the individual perception. And like a great reservoir or a forest, it would be a Samasti or aggregate perception. What is there is Brahman? How we look upon it? Look upon it as one individual self? Well, that's our perception. Look upon it as one self? Well, that is also our perception. And that that perception is possible. It is possible to perceive, not in terms of eyes, in terms of the eyes of the mind. Eyes will continue to perceive what they do. It is mind that interprets the perception. And therefore, how the mind perceives? The mind can perceive either as one lump here, or it can perceive the totality. Vesti <coughs> or samasti bhavati. So, vanavad. Jalashayavadva, like forest or like a great reservoir, Vrakshavad, Jalavadva, or like a tree or one pool of water, Samastihi, Vestihi, Vibhavati, it can be either Samasti or Vesti, depending upon Eka Buddhi Vishayataya, Aneka Buddhi Vishayataya, whether a Buddhi or the perception of the mind is confined to one individual or whether it encompasses all the creation. Accordingly, we will have Vesti and Samasti. <coughs> Okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om 